0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Friends of the Force, a Star Wars podcast. I'm your host, Brad.
1: And I'm your host, Sarah.
0: And this week on the show, we are bringing you a live from Star Wars Celebration interview. We talked with author Adam Christopher, who just wrote the Del Rey novel Star Wars Shadow of the Sith, which is the latest adult novel, and it covers adventures with Luke and Lando, pits our heroes up against Ochi of Bestoon, which everybody doesn't like that guy. No one likes that guy. Ochi's kind of a punk. (laughs) Isn't That's he? fair enough. That yeah, is fair enough. He's a yep. total punk, <laughs> and it also takes us on an adventure with Ray and her parents, Dathan and Miramir. So there's a lot of stuff going into this book. Uh, it's a fascinating adventure, and we're so honored to have talked with uh, Adam to discuss his his first official Star Wars novel, which has been long in the making. And what a better place to do it than at Star Wars Celebration. Absolutely. If
1: you recognize Adam's name, uh, he has also written um, short stories in both the A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back, A Certain Point of View anthologies. He has also written tie-in novels for Stranger Things, Dishonored, Elementary, uh, and Star Wars Adventure Comics. He's also written the Ray Electromatic Mysteries, The Spider Wars, and From the Empire State. So many books.
0: Yes, definitely. So once again, we were so excited to talk with Adam. We get into his writing process for this book, how he approached legacy characters, as well as introducing new ones and establishing newer ones, as well as what he saw some of the challenges to this book as well. So there's a lot going into this thing, and it's a chonky book for sure, too. We just got our review copies, and it's a thick one. It might be the thickest Star Wars book I own. Would you agree with that?
1: No, it is not. It is Thrawn- lesser evil or greater
0: good or whatever the last one is <laughs> it's, it's pretty close it's a pretty close tie but it's yeah. like 65 pages yes so this will include some light spoilers as well um, some stuff that has been previously mentioned at panels so if you want to be like completely spoiler averse this you might want to avoid this interview until you've read the book but it's like again light on spoilers so just fair warning before you get into it but again So excited. Without further ado, let's jump over to our interview with author Adam Christopher.
2: So what I told you was true from a certain point of view. A certain point of view? Luke, you're going to find that many of the truths we cling to depend greatly on our own point of view.
0: So we're here with Adam Christopher, who is the author of Shadow of the Sith, which is the newest book from Del Rey. Adam, thank you for
2: joining the podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me.
0: Yeah. You're actually our first in-person interview. Uh, We're doing it (laughs) at Celebration, which is exciting. Um, So we're all back together and celebrating Star Wars. So um, first thing I want to ask is how has your first celebration been so
2: far? Uh, Yeah, amazing, really. Um, Yeah, my first celebration ever. And it happens to be the one where I have a Star Wars book coming out because we're recording this. You know, months before the book's actually out, and it's kind of wild. People—it sounds strange when I say it out loud—but like people recognize me and have been talking to me and stopping me, and uh, you know, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, people, well, it's great because I now know that people are actually interested in Star Wars, and that sounds kind of weird, but like they're aware of not just the movies and the TV, but books and comics, and as like one part of one big you know, storytelling mythos. Um, because it's kind of, it's nice to have it in person. It's different, you know, Twitter and Instagram and all that, it's quite easy. Because you get reactions. Mm-hmm. But to actually be out here and people coming up to me and saying, we're looking forward to your book. I'm like, wow, re- me? <laughs> really? OK, cool. So yeah, it's been really good. Like, And this is day one. And um, yeah, I'm I'm glad I'm here.
1: Yeah, I'm, we're right, we're Brad Finley right there with you. Um, what is your personal history as a Star Wars fan? When did you come into Star Wars and when, what do you love most about it?
2: So um, I'm exactly the right age, I think, to because I grew up in the 80s. Um, like peak geek culture that we know of now. So Star Wars and Doctor Who. But also, uh, you know, I was a fan of G.I. Joe and Transformers and He-Man and all that stuff. Mask. Um, like I can actually legitimately say that the first Star Wars, the first movie I ever saw was Star Wars. Um, I was it was <laughs> I worked it out. I was August 1978. I was six months old, and my dad, my dad, who's yeah. a big well, my dad's a big star, a big uh, science fiction fan, and he really wanted to see it. And this is like this is 1978, and in those days with movies, especially in New Zealand where I'm from, it's like movies were re- were released and re-released, and they came back, they went out, and they came back in. So this is not. The premiere year um, so yeah so I can actually say properly technically that was my first movie um, and I have to apologise always for anyone who was in the cinema in August 1978 because they, well because taking a six month old to a movie is not a good idea um, yeah it's like an explosions and noise and things yeah so I have no idea what he was thinking of but anyway but then I'm glad he saw it too. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. And then, and then from there, it was like um, I did see Return of the Jedi at the movies, was, was it like was a friend of mine from school. I think Empire Strikes Back, I must have, I mean, I must have been VHS, I think, probably. But I don't really remember. But I remember because um, my dad um, worked in advertising. So, from New Zealand, he'd take a lot of trips business trips to to china Hong Kong Japan, and bring back toys that you couldn't get in New Zealand. so my memory is like uh you know him coming home and unpacking the suitcase and it's like like the eighty eighty and the x wing mm-hmm. kena toys and things um and also it meant that he uh, for his job could borrow the company v h s machine, which are like well they' were really expensive yeah and uh it got to the point where like every Friday he'd bring it home for the weekend, stopping off at the way home at the at the video rental store to get Empire Strikes back, and I would watch it like twelve times in the weekend and then the you know the tape would go back on Monday, and then we'd repeat the same thing again on the next weekend i yeah I was kind of um single minded and probably a little bit obsessive,
3: <laughs>
2: which is like yeah. well, which that's i was the w- natural thing with yeah
0: TV, or is it just kind of it kind of just takes
2: you in and... Yeah, and it's like, I say that like it's a bad thing and then here here we are at Celebration and my book's coming out and so, like, that's okay then, like, yeah, it was all right.
1: This is the place where all the obsessives are and it's <laughs> it's celebrated, you know, and, and I think that's pretty magical about this convention in particular. There's so much, like, great energy just around yeah. all of it and because yeah. we all are spending perhaps a lot more time than... Maybe we should be, you know. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah.
2: But like, you know, having said that story, it's probably there's a thousand people here with similar, similar stories of growing up with Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, you know, because I'm at that age, it was the original trilogy. But, you know, so many people and friends I have, you know, who discovered it through the prequels, um, you become really aware of the kind of generational thing. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's, it's really interesting, I think, to see here in person again, especially after the Skywalker saga has concluded. Right. So now you have like three full trilogies uh, that people have really dove into, and, and you can see where everybody's kind of fandom comes from, and I think that's always a cool thing because I'm somebody who know is an adult now in the sequel trilogy age, but I was a kid in the prequel trilogy age, and so they both mean a lot to me, and it's it's cool to see them celebrated in, in such a way. Um, but you mentioned, you know, like, you're obviously a writer. You're you're here with the book coming out next month. Um, was writing Star Wars a dream of yours? Or was that something that just kind of came to be as an adult? Like, how did you become a writer? And, and how did storytelling in that way kind of uh, come into your life?
2: I think um, I really have to thank Doctor Who for that. And- because... My two fandoms, I kind of call them, would be Doctor Who and Star Wars because, okay, obsessively watching Empire Strikes Back every weekend uh, at the same time as watching Doctor Who. And Doctor Who in particular has a very literary fandom because we had the, uh, you know, Target novelizations, which my school had, <coughs> and in New Zealand at the time, um, this is, like, mid-'80s, so there was a big repeat season on TV of John Pooey Doctor Who. So I was watching that and reading the Doctor Who books from the library, which meant whenever we did, like, writing, I would write Doctor Who stories. Um, and I kind of always... That was my thing. It's like I wanted to write a Doctor Who story. So Star Wars it kind of never occurred to me that, like... You could write a Star Wars story because, of course, like the expanded universe came later like in the nineties with um you know *Air to the empire and, and onwards at at which point i was I had moved on a little bit you know um Doctor Who always had this kind of continuation of uh, you know original fiction, so the first stuff that I had published was actually Doctor Who fan fiction this isn't like ancient history because it's back in the days of uh print fanzines, mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: so I had. Doctor Who fan fiction, and also I was getting stuff published at that high school, like in the yearbook and things, which kind of indicated to me that, um, you know, other people wanted or, or were interested in reading what I wrote, so yeah, I kind of, I've always written and always thought that I would be a writer, uh, eventually, but Star Wars... You know, I think it was actually probably the sequel trilogy. That first trailer with, you know, the Chewie we Home trailer. And I was like, yeah, and I was like, yeah, okay, that yeah. So <laughs> oh, that, was the room, that would have been know. unbelievable. Uh-huh. And I think that was the point. I was like, well, hang on a minute. I need to, like, I want to write a Star Wars book. Mm-hmm. Um I can't remember what year that was, 2014, yeah. yeah. Well, it's 2014 it must have been, yeah, because... Um, my friend Chuck Wendig, who wrote the Aftermath trilogy mm-hmm. uh, and Star Wars fan, obviously, and we have the same agent. And I remember the trailer, and I was like talking to him, going, "Ah, oh, I'd love to do a Star Wars book." And he was like, "Well, you know what happened the other day, uh, which is, you know, because he got Aftermath, and I was like really angry for for I don't know a day, and then I was like, okay, congratulations." <laughs> um, But yeah, and then Star Wars is one of those things where, um, like, there's, there's, you know, I write original fiction. They call it original fiction, which is my own stories and things. And then there's IP or tie ins, which is like Star Wars or Doctor Who or Star Trek or whatever. And it's a very different kind of writing, which I, I really enjoy. And I think of that kind of tie in writing, like, you don't get bigger than Star Wars. Like, it's the top of the pile. Um, so I was aware that it's you know it's difficult to, <laughs> to get a Star wars book because like there's actually not that many a year if you break it down like the old in the old days there was lots because that was star wars like they that right. was they was carrying the story mm-hmm. uh but now obviously it has to be more um i don't know is not the right word, but it's it's more
0: Fitting into, you know, the current yeah. kind of canon and yeah. universe yeah. that they're trying
2: to, yeah. Trying to build. Yeah, yeah. And, and a lot of people want to write a Star Wars book. Um, but I I just kept kept pestering them, really.
3: Yeah.
0: It's wonderful because as a kid, you know, like you're saying, you, you watch Star Wars and you're at such a young age and then now you're contributing to that piece of the universe. But I, what I find interesting is, is you mentioned, you know, that the sequel trilogy for you was something that was really you know, incredible to see that trailer and and growing up with the original trilogy and obviously Shadow of the Seth blends those two eras quite well in, in terms of, you know, pulling from the sequel trilogy in terms of Ray's story while also paying homage and, and continuing the adventures of like Luke and Lando. So like for you as a as a writer and as a even a fan, how do you sort of find that balance between those two eras to sort of bring something that is um, familiar yet also um, expands the story in a new way.
2: Yeah, I think that was one of the things that really struck me about the book was the things that I could do in terms of like linking things together. Not just because you wanted to link, you know, that or span that gap between Return of the Jedi and Force Awakens, this kind of, you know, 35 years of hardly anything that we've got. Um, but also as a fan, I'm always thinking of like, wouldn't it have been great if we saw live-action Inquisitors, for example, or if this character met that character, because they all exist in the same universe. Mm -hmm. And the thing also about Star Wars is because because we've been introduced to the saga out of order, kind of chronologically, and you have characters that appear, well, like Ahsoka, for example. You know, suddenly Darth Vader had this apprentice, or Anakin had an apprentice. who, of course, never existed for the original trilogy and things. So some way of, like, blending all that together and making these connections to show that actually, well, if Star Wars is one cohesive universe, then, of course, this is all, like, sequential. So for Shadow, um, I obviously... I mean, it's, it's a Luke and Lando story, but the opportunity to take original trilogy characters and sequel trilogy characters, uh, and comics characters, or, um, not characters m- more, but like, s- like, we can look at spoilers, can't we? Yeah. yeah right. Should. So, t- <laughs> so things like, um, the Star Herald, you know, the ship from the from Wildspace, mm-hmm. um. Not that I not not that I was having a laundry list of things like to tick off, but it's like, well, wouldn't it be cool if we could do this or this? So yeah, and as a Star Wars fan, that's like really uh, quite a lot of fun, mm-hmm. um, and especially because of the sequel trilogy. Because in the in the book, I have it's, it's kind of weird with the sequel trilogy because I'm tying into Rise of Skywalker, which is like the third of the trilogy, mm-hmm. and in Rise of Skywalker, we learn about stuff that has happened before that we haven't seen. So I really wanted to use like a character like Pride, General Pride, yeah, because he appears in Rise of Skywalker, and I mean it's Richard E Grant and he's awesome,
3: yeah.
2: And you're thinking like, where did he come from? He was behind the scenes somewhere, throughout the first two in the sequel trilogy. So I was like, well, clearly, I have to kind of use him in yeah. some way because he's got a whole story, you know.
0: And you, and you did nail the voice. Like, I could totally, when I was reading every line delivery, it was like, that's Richard E. Grant. He could, he could, he could say that, you know.
2: Man, those two <laughs> chapters, like, were so, they wrote yeah. themselves. It was, it was like, I was like, thing. yeah, and I was like, okay, well, he's, character. yeah, he's, and especially because this, like, this is like, this is the younger version of Pride. Right. The older Pride that we see is, like, arrogant, yeah. Uh, officious. Refined. Yeah, refined and kind of pretentious so you could if you kind of work backwards, especially because he obviously it's a fall from grace, because if he was uh you know, an officer in the empire and then that all collapsed and then he but he's like, I'm imperial, you know, I'm important. You can imagine what position he was in however many years it is before we see him. So yeah, oh my god, he was he was so much fun. Mm-hmm. Just the voice of him, it's just like he hates yeah, yeah he's like so annoyed and like so <laughs> so um well, arrogant, I guess.
0: Yeah, I mean, Ochi's, Ochi's kind of the same way, too, so it's fun Is to it watch am- them kind of go against each other because you got two yeah, like, just yeah. really um, arrogant, annoying kind of personalities clashing and seeing kind of what they, how they, how they butt heads and, and like, kind of one-upping each other, you I mean,
2: know? Like, now I think about, like, I don't think they listen to... Like, when they, they meet twice, Yeah. and it's like, I don't think they listen to what the other person said in either of those situations. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah so like in terms of like yeah blending and linking stuff together yeah amazing um and I was lucky that I had kind of free reign to just like do whatever I wanted
3: Mm -hmm.
1: is the biggest like um you know barrier to doing something just like "Mm, am I gonna ask whether I can do that
2: (laughs) I yeah well see I figured that I would just I would not worry about that
3: Mm.
2: and because obviously like when you do things like this There's a process that you follow, and you know, um, before you even write the book, there's quite a lengthy outline which is approved by all the people that need to approve it. Mm -hmm. So, I kind of made sure everything was in that, so I knew from the beginning if I could do do something or not. Having said that, whenever you write a book, you do drift from the outline. I mean, with time work, part of the job is like you can't drift from the outline because that's approved, but like you can still take tangents and things. So, there was a few points where I was like, I wonder if I could do that, or maybe not. And I figured, well, put it in. You know, they'll just say no if I can't. <laughs> yes.
3: um,
2: but I don't think, I don't think there's anything. I was, in mean, a surprise in a way because, like, you know, sometimes it's difficult, and and um, the link to the dark legends characters. Mm-hmm. So I kind of, like Dark Legends by George Mann is supposed to be non-canonical, canon-adjacent yeah. fables yeah. type of thing. Yeah. And I was like, well, no, clearly Darth Noctis and Darth Sanguis were real people. So I put them in the book. <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. And I thought, surely they're just going to take things and say, no, you can't do that. Uh, but no, they, they let me.
1: I think that's the great part about those books is like, yeah, and then includes like Legends of Luke Skywalker by yeah. Ken Liu you're like okay well this one definitely definitely never happened yeah. but this one we can maybe pull something from that or you can say yeah no, that's definitely canon like in your own yeah. mind yeah, yeah
2: yeah and it's like especially with Dark Legends cuz obviously that one that particular story links directly to Exegol mm-hmm. yeah. but it's like uh well what if it did happen exactly as it as it is portrayed what would what impact would that actually have if we discover that this is how it was um which again, like as a fan, is kind of fun, but also um, importantly, like any book like this, it's not just for fans. You know, you, if someone just sees it in the bookstore and it's Star Wars and it's got Luke Skywalker in the front, they go, oh, I love Star Wars, Luke Skywalker. They can pick it up and read it and enjoy it and not worry about any of the references or continuity or um, you know cross-referencing Dark Legends or the comics or whatever. Like it's 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 its, its own thing. Yeah. But if you recognise those references, then. Do you get more out of it sure mm-hmm. um yeah
1: yeah you mentioned you know Chuck Wendig and, and George Mann and your acknowledgements you mentioned you know Kevin and George and Kristen Baver and like what sort of guidance or or advice did they you know bestow upon you as you took on this project um and we, what does it feel like to join kind of this group of Star Wars authors this year
2: yeah um the thing about the Star Wars... Well, yeah, the thing about Star Wars authors is that we're all kind of... We're already professional writers. Yes. So... Which is kind of important because the people who are in charge of Star Wars are worrying about the TV and the movies and the important stuff and the books and comics. They're part of the story, but they're like... They're, there's something that they can't worry about. So they need to find people that know what they're doing and they can just say, write this book and then bring it back, you know... Which is fine, because that's, that's how it should be. So in terms of, like, me and George and Kevin and some of the others, it's like, it's less, I don't want say it's like a social thing, but it's like we'd have, um, this is the middle of the pandemic as well, so we had Zoom calls, just to, like, not specifically talk about story stuff, but just talk about the work, you know. And, you know, you'd, you'd, you'd work stuff out if you had a particular thing you're thinking of um but that's kind of support it's like everyone knew what everyone's working on and like we're all like you can do it kind of thing yeah. Yeah. um and it just helps for like you know deadlines and and workflow that everyone was under
0: mm-hmm. yeah i'm i'm curious too so um kind of going back to uh we talked a little bit about how you're you're borrowing characters and you know sarah mentioned chuck and i think one of the cool elements of of this book and um, is the inclusion of uh, a Sith adversary in the form of a character that Chuck Wendig introduced in the Aftermath trilogy, which you've mentioned as well. Um, so I'm curious, too, like, what does it look like for you, like, maybe in your conversations with Chuck and and sort of, uh, like, what sparked that idea to sort of borrow from that? Um, what, did, what did that process look like for, for, you know, the character of Kiza, who is really interesting to see that continuation of, you know, that story?
2: Yeah. I think um, Ecclesiastes to the Beyond, which is the group that she's from I think was mentioned when I was given the kind of story idea because uh, the story idea was you know the Luke and Lando chasing Ochi who mm-hmm. is chasing Ray's parents which is the line from The Rise of Skywalker that Lando says to Ray and all that that was the idea the kind of thing and then they said well you know you could use the, you know, there's the acolytes of the beyond you could use or you could use this or this and I was like, oh, will be on. that's from Aftermath. So I kind of went back to Aftermath and had a look. And, of course, they just appear in those interludes. Mm-hmm. Disconnected from the main storyline. Mm-hmm. But clearly reflecting, like, a larger... Um, or a larger side of the Star Wars universe. Because, yeah. And especially because Exegol is, like, cultists and... The, yeah, this idea of relics that can hold power... And, you know the Emperor himself, like he 's killed, but he can force project himself into a clone body, which is kind of like a relic mm-hmm. it 's like it 's all kind of linked together this kind of the the more um, mystical and arcane side of Sith mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so then I also needed Luke and Lando to to have an adversary w- which had a storyline of its own because the you know, the issue with the book is that they can't really meet Ray and her parents because that would like just explode continuity. Um, but at the same time, they had to face some kind of danger or some kind of overcome some kind of adversary because otherwise, what are they doing? It's just like they go from planet to planet and then Ray's parents die. It's like, well, that's a great book. Um, so Luke, you know, he had to have a foe great enough to fight which is where Kaiser came in. So I was like, well, she's kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like, she's not a Sith. The the Acolytes of the Beyond were not Sith. They were kind of cultists of their own um, who wanted... Well, they wanted to be Sith, but, like, they wanted to to have... They wanted wanted to get dark side powers, and they thought that relics and artifacts of the Sith could do that. So they collected lightsabers, and they collected whatever... Mm -hmm. Um, And it kind of didn't work, except Kaiser got this mask, uh, which was like, yeah, and then it transformed her. Um, But yeah, it's like the thing with Star Wars, it's like the best things in Star Wars, like when I was a kid, like, you know, the Bounty Hunters and Empire Strikes Back. I mean, this is Boba Fett thing all over, isn't it? It's like they have the cool characters and you got the action figures, and like Bosk has no lines and he's in the. Empire Strikes Back for five seconds, but like <laughs> he's my favourite character. <laughs> so which is kinda of what those interludes do. It's like yeah. oh there's yeah. Um so if you could imagine the Kaiser action figure, I was like, wow, she's really cool. Yeah. Um yeah, yeah I love so the then, action figure. Yeah, so would I.
3: <laughs>
2: the artwork was great. Yeah, the there's a poster as well. It's yeah. for the Barnes and Noble edition. Um Yeah, and it's like so yeah, it's it's a foe worthy enough. Uh and it makes it makes sense, and it kind of it's good because like it, it kind of we see in the interludes in the aftermath trilogy, um, Kaiser's a kind of origin story,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and then obviously Shadow of the Sith is her kind of ending. Yeah. Uh, but there's a period in the middle, which, again, there's a great Star Wars tradition. It's like, well, there's all the stuff that happens in the middle that we don't we get hints at. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe you know maybe she can she can even though we see her kind of come to her end in shadow she can come back, yeah. uh, in some form in a different story.
0: Yeah, I think that's the great thing about about this book is that you and you know, on the surface it could look like a, you know, solely a story about like Ray's parents and and Ray and Ochi. But I think you're totally right in that like the Sith Acolytes and like Luke's sort of uh adventure with that and Kiza's story is really the surprising kicker for a lot of people reading this, I'm sure. And and I'm a huge like I love force stuff, like weird force stuff. And so like the whole idea of like these masks and these yeah. artifacts is really interesting. And it's cool how You know, Lando and Luke are coming at it from different angles in a way, like more Lando from the Ochi angle and Luke from the Sith angle. And then they sort of come together to a head and that's where they find their, you know, commonality on the mission. Um, I'd be curious, like with Luke being such a popular character, um, and obviously he's appeared a lot in, you know, like The Mandalorian and and Book of Boba Fett. And we've gotten iterations of him in The Last Jedi and um, like the sequel trilogy. How would you describe like where Luke Luke is in his uh, journey at this time? And did any of those like newer stories help to paint the way you wrote the character, um even some of the more recent stuff as you're doing you're going through edits and you're maybe fine tweaking a couple things
2: uh yeah, I mean Luke skywalker um at this point he yeah he's like the most powerful person in the galaxy basically mm-hmm. um, <laughs> but and and he knows it mm. Mm-hmm. Which is important because it, you know he also he not only knows how powerful he is he knows how powerful he could be and he knows what will happen to that power if he misuses it. Like he has first hand experience he's descended from like the most evil Sith there was, you know, Darth Vader. So his self awareness of his power is really key to his character at this point. Because otherwise like you, you know, Luke the superhero is kind of boring, um, if he can just kind of click his fingers and do anything. It's like, you don't get a story from that. Uh, but his kind of awareness of his power really fits his character. Especially because like he's in the, by the time we get to the book, he's got his temple up and running, which we see being built in Book of Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is like several years later, so it's up and running, and Ben's there, and, and all this kind of stuff. So he's like recreating the Jedi Order uh, to bring light back into the galaxy, aware that you can, like, you can turn to the dark side actually quite easily, especially for someone like him who has such power available. The temptation to just use it—I mean, that's the whole point of the dark side. It's like giving into those kind of things. So, I mean, it's like that whole thing of, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. He's always aware of that. And whenever, whatever decision he makes through the book, he's kind of weighing up, weighing up what he can do and what he should do. Uh, which is actually interesting, because like when, I was, like when I was writing it, I found he was actually using the force more than I had outlined. Because he was getting into situations and it's like, well, of course he'd use the force at this point or um, to get out of a situation or to, or to fix something or stop someone or whatever. So I was like, I, and I said to my editor, it's like, well, you know, he's, when I sent the book in, it's like, he's actually a little bit more powerful than we kind of thought
3: mm-hmm.
2: because he, he would be.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but again, it's like, he's always, it's always this considered use of the force. So here, and so he's kind of that thing. And then Lando is like kind of different again because his world has kind of collapsed. You know, we know him as that kind of, um, uh, you know, the gambler, the playboy, raconteur, kind of ladies' man type thing. And then when we see him, well, we see him in, in Rise of Skywalker and he's like living in this machine thing uh, as a hermit, mm-hmm. you know, watching Persona. So his, the kidnap of his daughter is like clearly such an important turning point for him. Completely changes his life. Mm. Um, so yeah, so what would he be like? like you know, by the time we get to the book, it's like six years, I think it's six years since his daughter's been kidnapped. Mm-hmm. And he obviously hasn't found her. And we know from The Rise of Skywalker that by that point he doesn't find her. So he's different as well. Um, and this is the thing where Luke and Lando, like they're two different characters anyway. And to kind of put them together as this kind of odd couple.
3: Yeah.
2: Uh, you know, because it's Lando who learns about Ochi in the Sith and goes to find Luke, because Luke is the only person he knows in the galaxy that can, like, even think about this kind of issue. Uh, yeah, so they kind of... It was very really good to be able to kind of develop characters, because sometimes in a book you can't really do that, because, you know, if it has to fit in between... Stuff and and obviously you know, Luke Skywalker is Luke Skywalker and Lando's Lando, but it's really good because like you mentioned, you know we see Luke at the end of the Mandalorian, like when he just destroys all those um, whatever they're called the droid yeah, soldiers, the, like, Dark troopers, yeah. Troopers, yeah. Uh, so that's like Luke, the superhero, which is mm-hmm. fine because yes he will do that sometimes when the situation calls for it. And in the Mandalorian, absolutely he's going to like totally uh, go ham. I think is the description you'd use. Um, <laughs> But then in Book of a Fett, he's training Grogu, or trying to, and it's like, peaceful, calm Jedi. This is the way, you know, um, really the teacher and the the wise Jedi. It's a completely different side of his character, but it's the same character. So I tried to, and it was definitely, it was important, yeah, because I was editing the book and then, you know, seeing things like The Mandalorian, and especially Book of Baba Fett, that episode where we see the temple. Uh, it was kind of good because it informed me for the editing, but also that I was on the right track mm-hmm. with the character because yeah. that's yeah, that's who Luke is. He's actually he's a really interesting character um, because of this kind of this depth of power that he's got. Yeah. But also, like he could go dark.
1: There's a certain responsibility. Yeah. That has because he's really yeah.
2: Fun. Yeah. It's interesting because he's not it's not like okay, he could go dark it's not like he will actually just like change to the dark side obviously not he's not he's not actually not that kind of character he's not like Ben you know been solo for example uh but he's got yeah, It's this kind of self awareness which is really interesting
1: mm-hmm. the book and you know, we talking about the force talking about the the sith and and the cultists the book kind of opens with a warning from a darker time uh, and I believe it's originally from the Revenge of the Sith novelization by Matthew Stover My
2: yes heard of that? yeah that's right
1: <laughs> It really kind of sets an interesting tone um, for the book kind of what brought you to using this as an opener um, and, and kind of pitching this as the beginning of the story
2: um, so when I got the job the first thing I did was reread Revenge of the Sith which I feel is like a distinguished Star Wars authors do because, like, Revenge, <laughs> Revenge of the Sith novelization is considered by many to be, like, the best Star Wars book ever written, mm-hmm. which is interesting because, like, it's a novelization. It's not an original. Right. But, yeah, you read it and it's like, this is incredible. This is like, it, it, yeah. <laughs> so I reread it, really? and I was like, I need. I wonder if I could, like, do something with something. Uh and I actually, because I've got an ebook file, so I just, I, like, I just searched for I wonder if sh- the word shadow appears anywhere in it. And I put it in, and then that comes up. It's the passage from whichever chapter it is. And I read it, and I was like, what? oh, my God, this is, like, the perfect. Because I already had this thing with Kaiser and the mask, and the kind of, she, you know, she lives in this, um, it's called the sepulchral. The sepul- 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 I can't even speak today. Whatever it's called in the book.
3: Yes.
2: Yeah. Uh, which has got a droid furnace so there's like all this kind of like sh- the shadow, there's imagery of shadows and flames and, and um, things. So yeah, it was perfect. I couldn't believe it. it um, it's amazing. It adds Well and it's yeah. also like if you, but it's one of those things, if you recognise it as being from Avengers of the Sith, great. If you don't, it doesn't matter. It's still like a spooky kind of opener. Exactly. Um, but it's funny, it comes before the crawl as well. Because um, I, also, I also knew that I really wanted to. Crawl. Not all Star Wars books have them, but I was like, I wrote it pretending it was like Episode Six Point Five, because I wanted that kind of epic, cinematic adventure mm-hmm. uh, with you know explosions and starship chases and speeder bikes and like everything that you'd want in a big Star Wars movie. So I thought, okay, Episode Six Point Five. This is the crawl, which I think I wrote. I wrote quite early uh, to kind of set the tone. But um, yeah, yeah, so I'm pleased that the the epigraph...
1: Oh my gosh, we've had a whole conversation about this before, and I don't think we ever figured out... Yeah, I think it's epigraph.
2: Yeah, epitaph is something else. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I don't know who we are speaking
1: to, but yeah, it was like like three words, the whatever one, the (laughs) epi-whatever. Yeah.
3: Yeah,
0: so as we start to um, wrap up the the conversation, I know we've, we've talked about a lot of different elements to this book, again, like, you know, you have the Sith, the relationship with Luke and Lando... Um, Ray and, and and kind of how she fits into the story with her parents and filling in some of those gaps with the you know rise of Skywalker. What do you ultimately hope is the takeaway for readers from this story? and what what might you say to somebody who is trying to figure out maybe if this is a book they should pick up or um, if this is something that you think would enrich their understanding of the Star Wars Mythos?
2: It's gonna sound a bit strange. I wrote it for every fan, and by that I mean, If you like the original trilogy, it's a Luke and Lando adventure, and there's actually not many Luke books in canon. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Luke and Lando, although they've got a kind of more of a history in comics, they don't really have any history in books much. Um, If you're a fan of the sequel trilogy, well, it directly leads into the whole sequel trilogy, because it deals with raised parents um, and then more directly with The Rise of Skywalker because it's got pride and uh, other characters um, and explain some of the kind of stuff that's hinted at. Um, so really, it's like, yeah, it's it's a book for every Star Wars reader. Because it's the thing, it's like, it's okay, this is episode 6.5, let's pretend. It's a big adventure with Luke Skywalker. If you're a fan who reads all the comics and knows the ins and outs, yeah, you'll get loads out of it if you don't know anything except for you've watched the movies then you'll enjoy it as like this is another star wars movie which is a, which is great because like it's a milestone like it's, yeah it's a milestone book because it's right in the middle of that period between return of the jedi and uh the force awakens which we haven't seen much of at all mm-hmm. there's like some comics there's a book bloodlines mm-hmm. um But it's a kind of like, just this, this empty space, which let me do a book which has important kind of mythos moments. Uh, Like, yeah, tent poles almost, um, which is great. And and so you'll get a lot out of the book, I think. Um, Like there's a panel, as I said, we're recording this at Star Wars Celebration the, uh, the uh, Lucasfilm publishing panel and the editor Jen Heddle said that I delivered a manuscript that was 150,000 words and everyone laughed and I was like <clears> or <throat> gasped maybe um, which is interesting because in the, yeah and like the final version is actually longer than that um so yeah, I can't wait to see the like the print edition. It's gonna be like a telephone directory.
3: Oh yeah.
1: When when we got the the last Thrawn book by Timothy Zahn, we were like, Oh my gosh, it's five hundred and fifty pages. <laughs> like this is a big book. <laughs> Which was exciting to dive into. So I yeah, think yeah. I think fans will be able to kind of really sink their teeth into it and enjoy the epic scope of it. As well as kind of filling in some of those those details and, and fun yeah. things to, to.
2: And I think that's it. It's the epic scope. It's like I wanted an epic adventure. What would I want? What, what would I want to read as a Star Wars fan? I want an epic adventure with Luke Skywalker and Lando Calrissian. Yeah,
0: two two of my favorites from the the original trilogy. You can't really much for us. You can't ask for much else. So um so yeah adam thank you so much for for taking your time out of your celebration and your day to to join us um what do you have coming up that you'd like our listeners to know about besides shadow of the sith um and where can they find you online to see more of what you're doing
2: yeah um so my website is adamchristopher.me uh which is a good domain (laughs) (laughs) sounds funny i haven't the first time i've actually spoken it (laughs) out loud yeah
0: yeah dot me dot me yeah because
2: um, nice. of course, AdamChristopher.com was taken, um, <laughs> yeah. and I'm on Twitter as Ghostfinder Finder, uh, which I'm now stuck with because that's like that's official canon now. Because mm. okay. there's like the Ghostfinder fleet, from yeah. the, in the aftermath books actually. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've kind of I've just got I've got Star Wars coming up, and then we'll see what happens.
0: Awesome! Cannot wait for what's next. Yep. So, hopefully, everybody out there is enjoying Shadow of the Sith as the as the book is out by the point this interview is out. And um, once again, Adam, thank you for, for joining us on the podcast. We appreciate it.
2: Oh, thank you very much.
1: Thanks so much, everyone, for listening to our interview with author Adam Christopher. Again, it was such a privilege to be able to interview him live in person at Star Wars Celebration of all places. So thank you, Adam, for your time. Uh, and thanks for thanks to Del Rey for making it all happen. Um, we hope you enjoyed that interview and got a little something out of uh, Adam's thought process for this book.
0: It was our first ever in-person interview that we've done together, but it definitely won't be our last interview on this podcast. So if you want to hear more from Friends of the Forest, make sure you are following us on Twitter and Instagram for all the latest updates on the podcast. You can find Sarah and I on Twitter, Letterboxd and Goodreads. Make sure wherever you're listening to the show to subscribe. So all of our future episodes, pop right into your podcast feed and leave us a five-star written review if you have a couple extra minutes in your day and if you enjoyed the episode because it lets us know what we're doing right and it helps other folks find the show and join the discussion we also have a patreon
1: where tears started just a dollar and uh we are so grateful to all of our patrons thank you amy brian with an i brian with a y carol cheryl clay danny davis dylan deborah donnie elegy huang jen knights of ren levi leon lucy luke randy rob saber bouquet sky talkers travis and t
0: yes thank you all once again for supporting the show thank you all for listening and until next time may the force be with you always happy pride bye